it's great to make a lot of profit or to make a lot in, in wealth, but if you have to pay a lot out in taxes, you're kind of, you know, really shooting yourself in the foot there. So that was a big one for them. And then to just round out the other one, the last two were um, liquidity, right? And so we talk all the time about how people will put money into a deal, or like we mentioned, a wealthy person could go buy a deal 100% themselves and own the entire thing, but they're very illiquid, right? They'd have to do like a cash out refinance and it would be complicated. What a year 2020 was. 2021 is here and I hope you're hitting the ground running. I know we are here at Dwelling. We've just got a deal on the contract. We're going to be closing on soon. For those that have joined us on that deal, um, you know what I'm talking about. If you are saying, what am I talking about? Then you need to take your investing game to the next level in this year. So make sure you join the Dwelling deal list, an exclusive deal list. Um, not only do you get access to our deals, quickly but you also get tips and tricks about you know how you can take your, your investing game to the next level this year so if you are not on the dwelling deal list click on the link in the show notes or just go to dwelling.com um, that's d-w-e-l-l-y-n-n.com or just go to investwithola.com and just sign up sign up sign up sign up Thank you so much for joining us on The Dwelling Show. I'm your host, Ola Dantes. I've got an incredible guest with us today, Sean Adams. Hey, Sean, how's it going? It's going great, Ola. Thanks so much for having me today. My pleasure. Um, obviously, um, you know, know about your story, read your profile, but for the guest, um, you know, sorry, for the listeners um, that might not know who the guest is, can you just kind of tell us a little bit more about, you know, who you are, um, kind of what you've been doing and kind of what you've been doing lately, actually? Yeah, for sure. Just really 30,000 foot view. Uh, my background is as an operator inside small businesses. So started my first company when I was in high school. I just had that entrepreneurial spirit and, and fell in love with building businesses and learning about them. So I started a service business. We did landscaping construction work uh, that rent and it rolled into doing some construction management as well. And I spent about the first 10 years of my career really growing and scaling that company. And that's where I cut my teeth with basically what not to do in business, <laughs> learned a lot of mistakes along the way. Um, and one of the things was just financial education was a big piece of that. I had little to none going into it. And I learned the hard way how important it was to have a strategy in place, to understand how cash flow worked, to understand the movement and velocity of money through an organization. So that's really one of the big pullaways that I had during that time. And as I started to kind of get profitable and get to a certain level, um, I started thinking about, you know, kind of, all right, I'm going to exit and sell this business. I was fortunate enough to be able to do that. And I was trying to figure out what to do with the money I was making, right? I went into a, um, a sales role, actually. I was selling some software for a while after that. And same thing. What do I do with this cash? Where do I stick it? And I hear about real estate. I hear about bigger pockets telling me to invest in this and invest in that. I hear about putting money in the stock market. And it's very, very confusing, right? And one of my big fears was really um, losing money. Honestly, that was the biggest thing. It was so challenging for me to get money into my bank account. I was very, very hesitant to put it into investment that could potentially lose value. So, um, you know, that's re really got me into what I do now with leverage life management. I found a strategy that really helped me mirror what big banks, corporations, ultra wealthy families do to mitigate their risk when they're making investments, uh, to have a guarantee on their growth, have a safety net in place and be able to make 
investments unemotionally because they had this sort of safety net in place. And so that's what I do now is help um, mainly real estate investors, uh, but business owners as well uh, to kind of build their own little safety net and invest in, and give them that, that safety. Yeah. I, I remember I was talking a little bit, Sean, you know, I can't remember weeks ago now. So I really, you know, I, I love your kind of your approach and, and your business and what you're doing. So, you know, I do want to kind of jump into something that you said. So you said you had this fear of losing money. Um, you know, welcome to the to the team um, <laughs> of, of pretty much all of us on this planet. Nobody wants to lose oh, yeah. money. Um, so how have you, you know, overcome that fear of, of actually losing money? What are you, you know, doing to, you know, to overcome that fear? Yeah, the first thing I did was really education, right? So I knew that this was something that had to be uh, universal. I knew other people were struggling with this too. And I knew that people weren't just going out there to the casino, rolling the dice and hoping for the best, right? I started to mirror, read books, go to events, meet and interview as many successful and wealthy, wealthy people as I could to understand how they thought about risk, to understand how they thought about positioning of their cash. And what I learned was there were strategies like anything else, right? And so I, I liken it to like a recipe, right? I, I can read a, a cookbook and all of a sudden I can make this incredible French cuisine because I followed the instructions. I put the right ingredients in at the right times, used the right you know, tools and that sort of thing. And that's exactly what it was like on the wealth building side. It was, it helped me to say, okay, there are tools like what we do with, with these uh, policies that we put in place that help me to position cash in a safe place first, that gives me guarantees and safety. Now I can make a decision in investing in a property in what happens most of the time, which is investing back into my business, which is a scary uh, endeavor anytime I do that. And I need to make sure that any investment I'm making, I have some sort of downside mitigation and all the successful investors I looked at, that's exactly what they did, right? How many billionaires have you seen or heard about that they could easily go buy that whole apartment complex, that whole commercial building themselves. They have enough capital to do so, right? But it's not intellectually the right move for them to do that. It makes much more sense to set up a syndication, to bring in different family offices and different single um, you know, accredited investors and spread that risk across multiple people using other people's money, right? That is a great strategy to mitigate risk. And so this is what I started learning that they would position their cash in a safe warehouse first and then pull smaller amounts out and diversify them from there. Yeah, so I mean, there's so many things we can talk about on this on this episode, actually. Um, but one thing I do want to talk about is, uh, you know, I was reading your, your your profile and kind of you know what you do, and you talk about this five wealth levels, right? I mean, I gotta I don't know, I need to know what those things are, right? You want to be wealthy, learn about wealth. So, can you tell us a little bit more about what what those are? Yeah. So during the time when I was interviewing those wealthy people, reading the books, I kept picking up these themes. I call them the five wealth levers. You can call them anything you want. What I really drilled down was, was first off, they wanted some level of guarantee, right? There's very, very few guarantees in life. Uh, but one of them is that you're going to die someday, right? Unfortunately, that's the reality. So they found a way to leverage this particular type of life coverage or life insurance to get a guarantee in place, right? So that's part one is this level of making sure we have protection and, and some of these guarantees. And they work with these carriers that have a guaranteed rate of return. And so at a minimum, they provide a 4% rate of return on any cash value or 
basically equity that's in these policies. And so we can get into the weeds with, with how they work. But in essence, the guarantee was super important to, to the wealthy individuals. They also wanted something that had no market volatility or no market correlation. So in other words, it's okay to take advantage of something in the stock market, or right now we have a booming uh, re real estate market. It's great to ride that roller coaster, but they didn't want to be on the downslope of that, right? They didn't want some outside circumstance, some tweet that somebody made or some war that started somewhere else to affect their net worth, right? It was very important that they had as much control as possible over what was going on. They didn't want to see their net worth move with some outside market. So that was the, the second lever. The other one was taxes. One of the biggest erosions of wealth that happens in our country is taxes, right? And you're in a real estate position. You know all about this. One of the main reasons people get into syndications and multifamily is because of the incredible tax advantages. And so uh, that was another big lever that they looked for. It's great to make a lot of profit or to make a lot in, in wealth, but if you have to pay a lot out in taxes, you're kind of you know really shooting yourself in the foot there. So that was a big one for them. And then to just round out the other one, the last two were um, liquidity, right? And so we talk all the time about how people will put money into a deal, or like we mentioned, a wealthy person could go buy a deal 100% themselves and own the entire thing, but they're very illiquid, right? They'd have to do like a cash out refinance and it would be complicated for them to use their cash in other places. They'd be very pot committed to that decision. So the wealthy people that I studied and looked at, they were really liking the idea of being liquid. If something came up, if there was a change, they could have the ability to move cash around on their terms. And so the, the last one here is really protection, which most people don't really think about, especially in real estate. Unfortunately, in the US, we live in a litigious society, which means people come after you, whether you did anything wrong or not, right? They slip on some ice out front, you get in a car accident, you go through divorce. I mean, there's an endless amount of things that will go against you when you're, um, you're building wealth, especially in, in real estate or any kind of public facing role like a business. And so the wealthy people that I looked at, another thing that they really, really tried to get was some level of protection. They didn't want, you know, if they went through bankruptcy or one of these outside circumstances happens, they needed to have like a veil or a protection layer in place uh, to make sure they weren't losing that, that wealth to someone who was trying to take it. So those are the, the five kind of core levers that I focus on and the strategy that we employ really trying to help drilled down on them. It gives us the, the best version of those. I mean, there's so many questions I have. I don't even know where to start. <laughs> um, so, so thank you for that. I think that's really important. You know, it gives us a strong foundation for our conversation here. So if I'm a wealthy person or aspiring to be wealthy and um, I want to, you know, work with your firm, kind of what vehicle um, are you using to, to help me um, with some of these advantages that you've mentioned? How do I get started and, and kind of what, what is the process? Yeah, so if I can back up for a quick second, I'll use an analogy to kind of like tie in how these policies really work. So what most people don't realize is um, kind of how the banking system works. So ultimately, when you go down to the bank and you put your cash into a, a checking account or savings account, most people think that it goes in some big vault right behind the register and it just sits there with everybody else's cash. That is not what happens at all. First off, it's a, it's a number on a screen and it is not in that physical location, right? Most of us are fairly aware of that now. 
And they also, banks have mastered the concept of one, other people's money. And secondly, the velocity of money. So what that means is in addition to you depositing cash in there and then another client coming right behind you and needing a loan, they will use your money to loan out to the person behind you, right? So they just move cash around and they make a spread on each one of those transactions. In addition to some of those activities, they also look for long-term savings opportunities. They are in the business of making safe, guaranteed results, right? They can't go bet on Bitcoin right now or any of these crazy other stocks. Like that's not something they have the ability to do. It has to be super ultra, ultra safe. So believe it or not, they put things in what are called BOLIs or bank-owned life insurance policies. And these are gigantic policies. They store billions and billions of dollars in every single year. And they do that because of the, the levers that we mentioned. First off, they get a guaranteed rate of return of at least 4%. So they're storing their cash in this policy. It spits off 4%. And by the way, that cash is actually mainly your cash and the, and the rest of their clients. They're making 4% on that. And they're giving you back what? Like 0.1% in your bank account if you're lucky, right? So you start to see that there's this little middleman situation going on, right? So what wealthy people recognize is go, why am I funding the balance sheet for the bank? Like, it doesn't make any sense for me to do that. Why don't I cut out the middleman and I set up one of these long-term policies for myself? So what the clients that we work with, especially real estate investors, is we say, look, where is your dry powder right now? Because as an investor, you are constantly in and out of deals. You might have a little bit in a down payment over here, a little bit in this syndication, a little bit here, and it's all over the place. And you're constantly moving cash around. And when it's not in a deal, it typically sits in a bank account and it's just rotting away to inflation, right? It's not really gaining. It's just waiting for the next opportunity. So the, the process that we set up is one of these policies. It's a life insurance policy in which you can fund your cash into I have to get into the, the nitty gritty of it, but essentially it's like a warehouse, right? Like another bank account. You're going to store your cash in there instead of the long-term cash sitting in the bank, getting nothing. You're at least going to get 4% guaranteed growth on the cash that you're not using for deals or while you're in and out of deals, right? So it kind of sits there in that little warehouse and very similar to home equity, you're able to take a loan out against that value whenever you want and use it. That's the liquidity element, right? So if you had, you know, 500 grand in, in a policy and you and, wanted and to take I'll, a loan out. How quickly can we take that money out? Very quickly. So on average, it's uh, like three to five days. You can take that out. Um, and it's all direct deposit if you set it up correctly. So it's, it's really quick. Um, and also as you deposit it, it goes in that quickly as well, right? So um, lots of different details that go into how these things are set up, but yeah, you, you can put money in there and within you know three to five days, you typically have it and you can access it uh, in about that same amount of time. So it's very quick. You're not waiting and there's, there's no underwriting, which most people you know get frustrated with. It takes a lot of time. You just, the, your cash is in there and the bank uh, in this case is actually the insurance carrier. And they go, look, don't withdraw from this big pool of money because you're going to be interrupting that 4% growth on your money. So instead, come to us, we'll use your cash in this policy as collateral, and you can take up out any amount up to what you have in there, right? So if you had 500 grand and a $100,000 opportunity comes up, instead of you taking out of your bank and going from 100 to zero, you take a loan out against that lump sum. And there is a, a spread that you have to pay back to the insurance company, but you're then investing in whatever you might want. And now the entire 500,000 though, continues to get that 4% compounding growth 
as if you never took out that other amount because it wasn't a withdrawal. It was actually a loan out against it, right? So it works just like a house, right? If I take a cash out refinance out of my home, but my house goes up by two or three or 4% every year, it doesn't get affected, right? It, it doesn't come out of that equity. It keeps growing. Same general idea, if that makes sense. Fascinating stuff. I've, I think I've heard about this at a conference. It's kind of, is that like the infinite banking philosophy Correct. kind of idea? Yes, exactly. So this is really interesting. So basically we as real estate investors would have our money continuing working for us, but we can always borrow against that money. And then when we return the money to the insurance company, they charge us a, a fee that is, I'm guessing, lower than that 4% guaranteed return. Well, technically speaking, um, it is a simple, a daily simple accrued interest rate. So overall, it's always going to be less than a compounding rate of return. So it may be 5% simple interest, uh, but you're getting 4% compound interest on the, the entire lump sum. So it always balances out to a, to a spread. If you do it correctly and you set it up well, we have um, private lenders, we have real estate investors that do this all the time. And what they'll even do, if you want to get really creative, they'll, let's say they buy like a, um, a multifamily deal that's giving them you know, X amount in cash flow every month. They'll use that cash flow to repay the loan that they took out back to off the policy, right? So now they're making say, you know, 10, 12% IRR in their deal. They're spitting that back in to repay their policy and their big lump sum is continuing to just double up each and every year, right? So it lets you double dip if you use it correctly and you can have the system kind of replenish it without you having to refund anything. So it's really, if done correctly, just a matter of putting the money in the right set of boxes and the right sequence. And this is when you start to unlock what I, what I call like the wealthy mindset, right? You know, that recipe is out there. You just don't know it because it hasn't been shown to you yet. You know, that big banks and corporations, they've got these tricks of the trade, right? They've got things up their sleeve. These are some of the tools that they use to multiply their wealth, to make sure even their static dry powder is getting some sort of rate of return and making sure they can maximize that ROI and protect their downside, right? Like I talked about in the beginning, if that deal goes sour, I know I still have my lump sum growing for me. Even if I make an investment and it doesn't pan out, it's still going to sting, but a little less knowing that I have that security. Really appreciate that. So let's think about this rich guy. So I'm the rich guy. Um, I've got this money working for me 4%. I'm doing deals. I'm doing deals. But then I, I get older, right? And then as you said in the beginning of our conversation here, I move to the next um, journey of my life. How does that money um, protect my family? So I kind of walk us through kind of legacy and like life insurance and how all that works. Um, you know, something happens to me, then like, I'm kind of curious about that too. Absolutely. That's a great question. And that's, that's the next element to tackle here. So um, in essence, we're building a flexible savings asset in an insurance wrapper, a life insurance wrapper. So we use what's called cash value whole life insurance, which means it's in place for the entirety of your life. Doesn't mean you have to pay in for the entirety of your life, but it's in place. So if you die tomorrow, Ola, or you die when you're 105 years old, that death benefit, that coverage is going to be paid out to your spouse, your children, your uh, creditors, you know, whoever you want to pay off, uh, you can use that for. So for example, let's say that you want to put in 20 grand a year into a policy for round numbers. That's going to get you just something like maybe 2 million, two and a half million in death benefit, right? That means that if day one, you get this thing set up and you die of a heart attack, God forbid, 
your family is going to get a one-time lump sum payout of two and a half million dollars completely tax-free. It is a transfer of wealth because it's life insurance first. Now that doesn't happen if it's in the stock market, if it's in all these other assets, if you do a trust, you know, you can kind of get away with it. But this is a, if you talk to estate attorneys, this is another great vehicle that they use to transfer wealth to the next generation um, because it is tax-free. So you're basically positioning cash in this protection vehicle. It's getting you that guaranteed rate of return. And if anything happens to you, the overall death benefit is going to go to your family. Now, as you age, and let's hope and assume that you live a nice, healthy life, um, you have access to the cash that you have in there the entire time you're living, right? So let's say that 500 grand, it grows to 1.5 million over 40 years, right? You have access to that at any time and you can use it for whatever you want. If that is medical expenses, if that's vacations, children's education, anything you might want to want use, you have access to your cash value. And you actually, if there is like a significant medical event or something like that, there are ways where you can tap into the death benefit ahead of time. It's called accelerated death benefits. So if you have like a catastrophic accident or something happens and it's going to cost, you know, huge amounts of money, you can actually tap into the death benefit early and bring it out to help cover disabilities, chronic illnesses, lots of different things there. So in its core, it's insurance and it's there if something happens. The life insurance company is just making the bet that you're going to live a long, healthy life and that that's how they're able to be made whole. You're just able to use a lot of the living benefits while you're alive. So if I'm a listener, I'm driving in my car, working out in the gym and I'm listening to our conversation, I'm, I, one of the questions I'd be thinking is, um, first and foremost, I've got my question and I'll ask the second question is, uh, is this the same as a cash surrender policy? No, not necessarily. A surrender is just a component of a life insurance contract. If you were to give up or kind of like relinquish a policy, typically you have a surrender value. So if you wanted to get rid of the policy, there's, if, if it's old enough, there's a surrender value that you can take out. What we want to do is set up a policy that's going to be in place for the rest of your life. And we want to make sure that you're getting to use it while you're living, but more importantly, that you have the long-term protection when you pass away. So the surrender is just if you want to get out of a policy, if you're like something happens and you just need the cash and you, you just need to break away from it altogether. So uh, that's kind of a different thing. The way that we set this up is really to use it as that flexible savings account, all the cash value you're paying in. But just know that you have this great umbrella protecting you and your family uh, when you die. Again, if that's next week or if that's hopefully many, many years from now. So a little bit different. All right. So this was the question um, of the guy in the gym or driving to work, the guy or girl. So am I giving you, your company, this money or is this big insurance company? And I'm assuming as well, um, you know, this person I'm giving the money to, for them to give me a rate of return of 4%, they're probably making at least 6% and obviously getting the arbitrage, right? So with this big company, am I giving you, Sean, all my half a million dollars today or is it, where's this money sitting? Great question. Great question. Yeah. So I am simply at the end of the day, a broker. So what I really do is I help individuals and businesses set up these policies using specific carriers. So we work with about seven different uh, life insurance carriers. And I sit down with you, Ola, I understand your situation. You kind of let me know how long you're looking to fund, why and how you're planning to use this policy 
uh, what death benefit you want to have to cover your family. And then I have a, basically a series of different carriers who you're actually taking the policy out on. So you don't pay me directly. I'm not the fund manager uh, or anything like that. It is, you're, you're putting a policy in place with the carrier directly. And um, we work with the largest carriers uh, that handle this specific type of policy, right? So if you go down the street to your average life insurance agent and you're like, hey, I wanna use this to invest in real estate, they're gonna laugh you out the door, right? It's just like if you were to go to a regular realtor and say, hey, I need you to help me buy this syndication, right? They're gonna be like, what the hell are you, what talking, are you talking about? What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> you need someone that hyper specific. This is all I do, right? I don't sell other types of life insurance. This is the specific strategy we put in place, which means it has to be designed in a very, very specific way. It has to be with a small select amount of carriers uh, that have a proven track record. So for example, two of the carriers that we specialized in, they've been doing this since the 1880s. So the Rockefellers, you know, the, um, the, the, the big, big names that have had generational wow. wealth since the turn of the century. That's where these companies are coming from, right? We look for the historical precedent. We have all the records back to those timeframes and you can see the, it's never a home run, but it's just a safe guaranteed safe rate that just goes... Yep. Mm -hmm. A couple percent. It's nothing crazy, but again, it's not the end investment, right? So, you know, that's the thing we, we are really setting up with carriers and, and we make sure that the people have and do their due diligence when they're, they're uh, moving into this. But at the end of the day, I'm just the broker that helps facilitate that. Right. So I have the expertise of knowing the real estate game a bit and how you can tweak these policies, what the rules are with the carriers. As you can imagine, if you've ever been involved with life insurance, it's incredibly complicated. There's so much complexity there. I mean, the documentation for everything you do is like thousands of pages. So it's knowing the rules of the game and what can be getting away with, how can these things be structured? Um, and, and that's really what we bring to the table and make sure that you're with a carrier that has a proven track record, that has all the documentation you know, to hold up their end of the bargain. I really appreciate that, Sean. Yeah, I mean, I can keep talking to you about the different, you know, details, but we're definitely, definitely doing into the quick round. It's going to be quick questions, quick answer. You ready, sir? Yeah, let's do it. All right. First question. What makes you, Sean, unique? What is that differentiating factor that separates you from the next guy or the next girl? Uh, I would say skin in the game and context, right? So I've um, done a little bit of investing. I've also run multiple businesses and made what I think is the majority of the mistakes that business owners make. Um, so having that skin in the game and real context that I've been through this, I like to help people skip steps, right? I don't want them to go through that same pain. So it's important that I bring in some of that experience when I'm working with clients. Appreciate that. I can see some books behind you. So what was the last book that you read and what was the one thing that you picked up from the book? Yeah, so there's a book called uh, What Would the Rockefellers Do by a gentleman named Garrett Gunderson. And it actually talks about this concept. And what it does is it compares the Rockefeller families um, to the, um, gosh, I'm drawing a blank on the, on the name, the Vanderbilts, sorry. And it compares the two families over a hundred year time frame. And you'll see how to this day, the Rockefellers, there's 150 people still living off the original money from 120 years ago. Isn't and that crazy? It's, it's insane. And the Vanderbilts on the, the inverse went bankrupt in like the 1930s or 40s, right? So they just did not make these same investments. They spent lavishly. They took a lot of risks and they built into the lifestyle versus the long-term legacy planning. And it shows you this side-by-side -side comparison of where these decisions 
what, what dominoes they knock over for the future. So I'd highly recommend that book. Um, seeing how one little turn on the whole journey can make massive uh, impact in the long run. Wow, fascinating. Yeah, gotta, gotta get that. Um, final question, you're busy, you're, you're investing in deals, you're, you're you know, growing your business, spending time with family, I'm sure. What do you do for fun? For, for fun, uh, it's really, I, I try to get outside as much as possible. I'm a big golfer. I'm not very good at it. It's a hobby I took up pretty significantly when the pandemic hit. Um, for me, it's such a challenging sport like business. It, it, it takes all of your mental energy. And so for me, um, I don't think about anything else when I'm playing golf because I have to be focused on how difficult this damn sport is. And I think that that like uh, never being able to perfect it is something that I, I really, it helps me clear my head and being outside in nature, that doesn't hurt either. Love it. So if there's somebody listening, maybe they want to get this amazing, you know, strategy, um, where's the best place people can reach out and get to know you more? First, uh, best place to go is my website, leveraged-life.com. I have all kinds of free resources on there. I have an entire video series that goes into all these concepts. It's completely free. You don't even need an email to sign up and you can really kind of unpack this. And if at that point you go, hey, this is kind of remotely applicable, but I want to see what it looked like for me. We have uh, what we call a free wealth audit that we'll offer to your audience. And that's where we'll actually sit down. You'll sit down with myself on a Zoom call like this. We'll get some of your background information and, and kind of numbers that you're looking for. And we'll actually do an illustration, which shows you if I put in this much money for this amount of time in this type of policy, you know, what the performance would look like, how you can use it. And we basically just map out what's possible. So um, that would be the best place to go. I always push people, do your own research first, um, you know, look up some of those things. There's lots of other books out there about this. And then I'm happy to help you if, if you think it might be applicable for you. Sean, appreciate you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, uh, thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. You may have heard the phrase, there are a thousand ways to make a thousand dollars in real estate. Well, now you can actually tune into the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast with over a thousand, believe it, or a thousand podcasts and still going. The best real estate investing advice ever show is hosted by a very good friend of mine, Joe Fellers. Joe talks to influential thought leaders. We share the best advice ever with none of the fluff. You've got to check this stuff out. So listen and subscribe at bestevershow.com. That's bestevershow.com.